What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Icardi stripped of the captaincy. I wonder what's happened there. Do you get it? <laughs> Piontek shines in Bergamo. We look at Gattuso's reign as Milan boss so far. We also look at VAR in Serie A and how well or how effectively it's being used. And we also talk about Olsen's man of the match performance in Rome. He saved Roma, didn't he? Quite literally. All that and plenty more in this week's edition of Simply Serie A. This show is, of course, brought to you by the FNX Network. But before we delve into the conversation uh, this week, it's time to round up this week's results. Atalanta 1, Milan 3, Cagliari 2, Parma 1, Empoli 3, Sassuolo 0, Genoa 2, Lazio 1, Inter 2, Sampdoria 1, Juventus 3, Frosinone 0, Napoli 0, Torino 0, Roma 2, Bologna 1, Spal 1, Fiorentina 4, Udinese 1, Chievo 0. Joining me on this week's edition are my regular panellists, Mr. Vittorio Campanile of the Lazio Lounge podcast. Vittorio, welcome back to the show. How have you been? I've been great. Thanks for having me again. No problem. You know, you're a regular now, Vittorio. You don't have to keep saying that every week. (laughs) You're part of the team. And also Tommy Milanese of 19minute.com. Tommy, I understand you're joining us from abroad tonight. Yeah, that's right. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing? You're the one on your travels. How's things going? Yeah, good. I'm gonna decide business trip to New York, where we're about to cover some some different aspects of football. Yeah, brilliant. Sounds interesting. Look forward to seeing it. And our guest this evening is Football Italia writer David Swan. David, welcome to Simply Serie A, making your debut. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. Right, so 
after we recorded last week's show, uh, I think it might have even been the next day, the news broke that Inter had taken the decision to strip Mauro Icardi of the captaincy and hand it to Samir Handanovic. I wonder what's gone on there. Um, the striker's wife, agent Wanda Nara, made an emotional appearance on the TV show Tiki Taka and revealed that Icardi had no desire to leave San Siro and was hurt by the club's decision to remove him as club captain. Uh, struggling to hold back the tears, she said, some say the armband is meaningless, but for Mauro, it's like taking away a leg more than an arm. Uh, she says that she asked uh, Massimo Moratti if he could help get Mauro to play again because it means so much to him. Uh, Vittorio, I'm going to start with you on this one. What on earth is going on there? Having to make the right decision? What about the timing of it all? I know you feel quite strongly about this subject. Yeah, because you said what happened on Sunday. The story still is going on. Um, I thought at the beginning it was a big risk from Inter to take this decision now because, you know, there's a lot of months ahead. The season is still uh, a lot of matches to play still. But you can see after after what happened this weekend, you can think that uh, this decision of the of the of Morata uh, of Marotta helped the team come together. You can see that finally there's a spirit, group spirit now in Inter that didn't happen, that wasn't before. So probably even the players weren't happy about Icardi, and uh, seeing that the club finally did something against him made them see well, no one's uh, uh, above the rules. Everybody has to respect the rules. So we are finally a, a club, a serious club, a serious team. And they started playing as a team. And this is very important because, you know, it's the team that achieved the results. Then obviously the, the, the quality players can make the difference, but without the team, uh, you cannot go anywhere. So uh, I thought it looks like it's the good decision for, for Inter. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts on it? Is it the right decision uh, from an Inter perspective? Uh, you know what? Uh, this is one of those uh, stories that I really don't like. This thing that goes beyond football when there's a wife involved, the agent, and then go on TV. I think I think this is all. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just like a show, right? And I think Bandanara, which is as you said, Icardi's uh, wife and agent. She's I think she's a she's a showgirl. You know, I don't want to say an actress, but like she's a showgirl. She knows what she's doing. Like kind of crying on TV. You know, kind of like saying. You know, I'm innocent. Like I didn't mean to, we didn't mean to do any harm to Inter or whatever. You know what? She knows exactly what she's doing. But I'm a bit confused on what's going on. To be fair, because first thing I thought is, all right, Icardi is signed the preview with Juve. You know, like because they they, they came out saying uh, that Icardi was quite close to Juve last year uh, before Ronaldo joined and stuff. So I thought, okay, Icardi signed the preview with Juve. That's it. You know, Juve found out. Uh, sorry, Inter found out. Marotta didn't like it. And he just got him out of school. But then now she's coming out saying that he, they don't want to leave Inter. They just want to renew the contract. My question is, if they really wanted to renew the contract, why have they not done it before? Because they have so much time. There's been so much talking in newspaper or Italian TV about this bloody renewal contract Ricardi. <laughs> so what is going on? One, one thing, thing, maybe they actually design a pretty deal like you, like I told. And Vandana is just trying to make it look like it's not up to them, but it's big, bad Inter that is making them want to live or something like that. But I think whatever happens, 
uh, this thing is not going to go down well with the fans. Whatever is the reason, whatever, whoever's fault it is, we know that the Inter fans already had some trouble with the Cardi a few years ago when yeah. uh, he came out with his book and he basically said that he could call his mates from Argentina and bang the fans out or something <laughs> like that. So uh, after that, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't really know if the really fans of Inter really, really bonded to Cardi because for a few years everything went well. He scored a lot of goals not really troubles. So, but I, I, I don't know if they really bonded with him. After this happened, I don't think there is really going back. But yeah, as you told you said, in the weekend, the Inter played very well. They were more of a team. And so it looks like for now, it's a good decision. Let's see what's going to be in the long term. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. David, uh, you, your thoughts on this whole situation. I found this a little bit strange. You know, I mean, we're ba- I'm based here in the UK. Uh, obviously, I primarily watch English football. Um, and this sort of thing, you know, a wife being an agent and, and stirring stuff up with a club is not something that we're used to. So I find this story a little bit strange. What's your take on, on the whole situation? I think it was necessary for, for Inter to take this sort of stance against Icardi. I think um, we've, they've had similar instances like this before where Icardi wants a new contract. So Vondanoa starts you know, putting some feelers out in the media. You start hearing how unhappy he is or how um, Real Madrid might be interested. She starts, you know, she starts putting the wheels in motion for a new contract. And um, Inter in the past, from what I've seen, have kind of, accepted it and given him the new deal obviously because he's a very important player for them um i think this kind of is indicative of a new regime in I mean, Morata has come in and i've no doubt once he's had more time under uh you know behind the desk there that he will change a few more things but i think it's important that in to take this sort of stance you cannot keep having your best player whenever he wants a new contract start moaning via his agent who obviously happens to be his wife um and start disrupting things on the pitch or off the pitch. Um, so I think it's an important move for Inter to do. I think, um, and it, what also helps, I think, is that the fans um, are on the club side. Um, he's not a player who has, who if you take him out of the team, the fans are going to be um, kind of revolting against the club itself or against the decision. They're actually on the club side, and the fans at the um, at the weekend, I think, were were saying that he should leave. I think asking yeah. him to get out. I can't remember what, exactly what the chant was, but. Um, they were basically saying get out of our club um, so it helps when you've got the fans on side it helps you can, you've got more power to take these sorts of decisions absolutely absolutely there's no doubt about that um, in terms of the actual match itself um, you know we've started talking about Inter so we might as well delve straight into that game uh, they squeezed past Sampdoria in a game where all three goals were sc- scored sorry within a five minute period the Ambrosio and Nyan Golan were on the score sheet for the home side with Gabby Adini scoring for Samp Tommy I'm going to start with you on this one because as you guys will know by now Tommy is a Sampdoria fan so you would have watched this game particularly closely um so let's get the, the Samp bias out of the way early doors uh, what did you make of, of the match well I mean <laughs> Uh, well, here I am talking about another defeat like every other episode of this show so far. <laughs> um, well, you know what? I'm, I'm obviously I'm going to say something very obvious, but I'm very not happy with how we played. Um, Inter was more compact than it was in the previous games uh, without Riccardi, which is something that not many people expected. A lot of people were saying that without him, maybe Inter would have dropped a lot. 
but actually they played better, like like uh, Vitoria said. Uh, yeah, Lautaro Martinez on top, he wasn't exceptional as a striker, but he played a very well, a very good game. He was dropping, he was giving a lot of support to the wingers. It's not a surprise that Perisic played probably the best the best game of the season, and uh, he was really the difference. Uh, in a Sampdoria point of view, we didn't really create too much. We were okay in the first half, I would say. We were quite deep and uh, playing in counter-attacks. We had a few counter-attacks. Uh, Sapporara especially uh, was, was probably the best in our team. But yeah, in the second half, we didn't really create much. The, the goal we scored with Gabedini, it was only a little mistake between Skriniar and Anandic. Uh, so it was just at the, the right time, the right place. So... Again, I can't, I can't, I can't say really say much about this defeat. We deserved it. Inter deserved to win, and it's very important, very, very important win for them because obviously Milan won already before they started the game, so there were only one point difference, yeah. and now they're back and forth. So yeah, what what done to Inter, and here, you know, as I said in the previous episode, Sampdoria, John Paolo always have troubles in the second part of the season, and it's showing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vittorio, Spalletti decided to go back to the four-two-three-one system, didn't he? Um, I know it's easy to say now that it was the right move, but was you surprised by that? Well, I would say that uh, Inter, without Icardi, loses the only great striker they have. So you have to find a different solution. And I think... One of the problems of, of Inter this season is that they have a lot of other trequartisti, players that can play behind the striker, etc. So probably this is the best option to utilize all of them and, uh, and uh, have a decent result. So I thought that, uh, that uh, it was a good idea from Spalletti. But the important thing is how all the players played. You know? They played as a team, as I was saying, and you can see the result. You can see finally Inter playing as a team and not as 11 players with the same shirt. So I, I thought that was really important. And more, most of all, I would say the, the quotes that Andanovic uh, said after the match, saying that this was a very important week, week for the team and that the team come together and now it's much better. I think that's even more important than the three points because... This, the the team is working now together. So, you know, I think the biggest problem uh, about the Cardi situation, it was the relationship with the other players. I think there was some problem there. And without him, everybody's playing better. So, you know, even Nangolan is playing uh, like when he was at Roma. So this tells you something. Yeah, it, it does indeed. David, am I being a little bit silly here? Because... You know, am I looking at this from a, a too much of a simplistic point of view in the sense that Icardi is Inter's best player, so I can't see how they're a better side without him. I know the morale's better, but in the long term, over the course of the season, are they actually better off without someone like Mauro Icardi? Um, it's difficult to tell without... I mean, it's... it's, it's I think if the other players can play like they did against Sampdoria, then they might be the same, if that makes sense. Because for most of the season, Perisic has been missing. Um, Nangolan has been also missing and not been anywhere near the level he was um, at Roma. If they can get those two players playing well, you can kind of make up a little bit of the of what you lose with Icardi. Um, 
and obviously if the morale improves as well if the, you know the general team spirit amongst the players on the pitch improves that's an intangible you can't really quantify I mean obviously with Icardi you can say when you take him out you're going to miss this number of goals um, you can't really quantify what an improvement in team spirit does and how yeah. that can generate results so I've, I mean, it's probably a separate discussion I'm I think Akadi is um, a fantastic player. I think he's a limited player. Um, and I think there are instances where Inter are better off without him. And I'm actually going to be kind of interested to see, depends how long he's out of the team, but um, see how Inter get on without him for a prolonged period. Because I think there's potential there with the players they've got now for them to kind of move beyond Icardi and kind of find a new way of playing because I think he's a limited forward a great forward but I think he yeah he's he's not an all-round striker that you see on some of the other teams okay some interesting points there um let's move on now to to Inter's bitter rivals Milan who obviously won 3-1 at Atalanta Frula opened the scoring for Atalanta uh Piontek bagged an Really impressive equaliser, didn't he? Right on the stroke of half time. Uh, Chalanoglu with a brilliant goal to put Milan in front. And then Piontek popped up again, this time from a corner. I mean, Tommy, how, I know we keep singing this guy's praises from week to week. And for me, I was particularly stunned by Piontek's opener. Um, you know, well, Milan's opener, I should say. It wasn't the opener of the game, but Milan's opener uh, in Bergamo. How, how good is this guy? I mean, we're running out of good things to say about him, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely a great, great striker. Uh, as I remember, you were asking me what I thought of him when he came to Milan, if he could solve the problems at uh, the club. It was it was a bit of a, of a bad for Milan, you know, like the experienced player like Iguain, and they're going this youngster, they, they wouldn't be they involved for what he could do but it turned out he's been amazing I and mean, he's he's the fastest ever striker in Milan to, to score six goals I mean that tells you something and you can see how important it is in a game like that because it was quite a tight game with Atalanta and Milan Let's, we can say two teams that are basically at the same level at the moment maybe Milan is a bit more but the way that Atalanta has been playing lately they're probably in a similar level and Milan was in trouble because there was one nil down from a goal that they, they probably could have um, not conceded but Illich was just been great on the, on the right wing so they could see the goal the one nil down they were going to half time and that is something that's quite hard to recover you know going in the second half being one nil down but yeah like out of nowhere with the cross a few like one minute away from the from the, from the first half he just scored that incredible goal, that worthy, and that is so important. That is what strike, what everyone needs, every team needs from a striker. Like out of nowhere, out of a, a cross or a or a pass, he just invents and just make, make goals like that. Yeah, uh, and it was yeah, it was a, was a great was a great game. The Milan was a, Milan is, is one of the best defense in, in Europe, I would say, if you can pass 10, 15 games, and it was a great test for Atalanta. They're one of the best um, attacks in the league, and I don't think they really passed him. 
Yeah, I thought Romagnoli in particular was was brilliant talking about oh, defense. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Vittorio, you spoke uh, I think a couple of weeks ago now about how the Coppa Italia could be a bit of a distraction for Atalanta and we might see their league form drop off. I think that's what you said. Um I mean, I guess that's kind of coming to fruition now, isn't it? I mean, they would have been disappointed with this defeat, wouldn't they? Because I thought they were the better side in the first half. Yeah, you know, football is a strange sport because not always the team that plays better win. And we have to be honest, in the first half, Atalanta was playing much better than, than Milan. But that goal of Piatek changed everything. You know, you're playing better, uh, you're pretty much dominating the match, and then they have half a chance, and the striker scores an unbelievable goal because it was really unbelievable. And suddenly everything changes. And I thought in the second half, the match was completely a different match. And you can see Milan playing much better and Atalanta uh, struggling. So uh, I think from now on, Atalanta will try to focus on the Coppa Italia because they have a huge chance now to reach the final. And when you are in the final, you never know what what you're going to get. So even because... Uh, now, seeing what, what the other teams have done, Roma have won, uh, Inter have won, AC Milan have won, and they all look quite in good shape. Uh, I think the chances for Atalanta to get to the Champions League spot are very, very difficult. So I think they're going to try to focus uh, on the Coppa Italia, even because, and this is uh, something that I always said even about Napoli, those type of teams that didn't want you know, like Milan or, or Juventus, a lot of cups, they should be focusing on Europe League or Coppa Italia to win other cups because it's always good to win a, a cup. So I think Atalanta has this incredible chance. They destroy Juventus. So they know they can win the cup. And so I'm going to think they're going to focus on there even because, as I said, the squad of Atalanta is not huge. They don't have so many subs to do a huge turnover to, to be fresh to the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David, going back to Milan, um, you know, I, I was certainly someone who questioned the appointment of, of Gennaro Gattuso when he got the job. I think he had a bit of a turbulent time, didn't he? But he seems to have settled the team down now, doesn't he? Hasn't he? The defense has improved um, and, and, you know, they're starting to, to do OK. And, and it looks as though, if you ask me anyway, they probably will uh, get a Champions League position. Is he the man for this job in the long term, do you think? Is there a possibility of him keeping it, or was he always just going to be a stopgap? Um, I mean, this depends on who you ask in terms of, of, of Milan fans. Uh, I don't think he's, he's the right man for the job. Um, I actually think Milan aren't playing that well. If you watch a lot of their games, uh, a lot of them actually go in the way that, that the Atalanta game went, which is that they don't create any chances. Piontek will score a goal. Uh, out of nothing um, and then they'll kind of defend in their own half for long periods and then they'll score another few goals you know there was one from a corner um, you know they they don't create chances um, the football Casuso has them playing isn't particularly enjoyable to watch um, it's it's pretty pretty turgid and I say that as a fan because I, I watch all their games it's um, he's got them settled down and he's got the got the lineup kind of where he wants it. He's, you know, he's got a settled defence now that Romagnoli's managing to stay fit for, for longer than a month. Um, will he be the, the man for the long term? I think if he gets a Champions League, Champions League spot, they'll let him keep the job. Um, I think if he doesn't, he is at risk, um, depending on who else is available. 
you know, for example, if Chelsea sack Sarri, I think there'll be some teams in Italy who would quite like him. Yeah. Um, uh, Di Francesco, maybe if he gets sacked at Roma, I, I, I think he's got some positives. So it depends on, on, on a lot on the Champions League spot. Um, but the, the, the football isn't very good to watch. I don't, I don't think it's, it's that enjoyable. And I, I think Milan are getting more results than they deserve, if that makes sense. Okay. If you're a stats man, if you're a stats man, put it this way, you, I think we've all, if, we, if you're on Twitter and you see all these analytics guys and you've seen XG and how they're performing above yeah. their XG or below and all that stuff. If you were to do it for Milan, and I haven't, but I reckon if you were to do it for Milan, you'd find they're performing way above where they should be. And, um, and, one, and one thing to say is that, uh, Gattuso had problem with Leonardo at the beginning of the season, if you remember. So the, this relationship is not great. So you, I, I'm not saying that Leonardo's waiting, uh, that Gattuso have problem to sack him. But you know, when the relationship between the manager and the sport director is not working perfectly, then you can fear that at some point he will lose his job. Yeah, that's a really good I'm point. Not. That's a really good point. I, I'm going to have to disagree here. On, uh, so sorry to interrupt you, mate, but I'm going to have to disagree uh, with David. In my opinion, I think Gattuso is doing an incredible job. And yeah, the football is not the best, but we know that historically not always the team that plays the best wins. And then, I mean, example is Mourinho with Inter, you know, when they won the Champions League, they were, they were definitely not the best team to watch. And I think it's an incredible job because it, how hard was him that he didn't really have much uh, manager experience he came in a critical point of the season when Milan completely started this new generation buying 9, 10 expensive players last year with the Chinese and then everything turned around completely and the club went to the Americans there was no one knew what was going on and he just it was that was such a difficult situation for the manager to be, especially for someone with not as much experience as, as him. And he's doing such a good job. And I think football is a lot about your your motivation and you're watching your head rather than your feet. And I mean, he's he's always he's always been like that, isn't it? Like even when he was playing football, he was always very aggressive. Very, it wasn't like a good to watch, just like his like his team, but is doing the results and that is what Milan desperately needed after performing not very well in, in, for, for quite a few years now. So I think it's the right man for the job at least at the moment and for the next season and then, I mean, we, for the long term, we just going to have to see what, what's the end of this season and how to perform the next one as well. Uh, can, can, can I say something? Let's not forget that Milan spent a lot of money in the last two years, you know. Piatek, 35 million euros. Uh, Kessie is another player that costs a fortune. Uh, they got Biglia for Lazio, from Lazio, other 20 million euros. Romagnoli the year before. So you cannot Paqueta say. Paqueta as well. Paqueta as well was about yeah, 30, 35 yeah. million. You know, you spent huge amount of money. You should expect a team that plays much better than Gattuso, uh, that Milan's Gattuso is. Uh, if you compare the money Milan spent to what Roma did, Lazio did, etc. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. Only only Piatek cost like all the all the summer transfer of Lazio. So you know he had huge amount of player. And before Piatek, they had Higuain. So it's it's not that they spent all in January. So he had a lot of money, a lot of value, good players, and they are not playing football. I I agree. Uh, 
he's very good with the fans. He's very good in motivating the team. But seeing these players, you should expect a much better football. Uh, I don't want to say that Milan has been really lucky, but they're not. Well, they have. Good. They have but, been really lucky. That's. Yeah. I mean, Donnarumma. I mean, just to clarify the point about the football. I don't mind watching really bad football if uh, and if you're getting results, but I don't want to be watching bad football and then have to see Donnarumma pull amazing saves, two or three amazing saves every game to keep Milan in it, which is up, other than up to Atalanta before that, he was having to make two or three amazing saves just to stop goals going in. That's, that isn't sustainable. And that's, that to me, you're, you're playing bad football offensively, but you're also conceding amazing chances whereby Donnarumma is having to look like a, the goalkeeper people were saying he was two or three years ago. Um, that's kind of my concern is that both ways yeah. the football isn't working. Yeah, that's true. But to the point that Victoria said, it, it's, it's true they spend a lot, a lot of money, especially compared to other teams that are in a similar position in the league like Atalanta or Lazio. But I think those money have been spent very badly. Like I think yeah. a lot of players, they, they, they're not worth, like if you see, yeah, you know, they had their midfield costed X amount of money, you would expect a lot. But they're actually not like great players. If you if you look at the formation, they're playing like uh, they're playing with Calabria. In, in, uh, I mean, you know, with playing with Calabria as a right back in the midfield, and Bakayoko. Then now everyone is praising, but to me, is is not a good footballer for that level. And we saw a Chelsea on the first half of the season. Even now, that everyone is praising him. It's definitely improved, you know. In you know, in, after a few games with Milan, but and then Charlie Anoglu up front. I mean, he scored an amazing goal and he played well. But before this game, he's been absolutely terrible, and he is the first choice. And if you look at the second choice in the bench, they have Borini, Castillejo. I mean, this is not a good team. This I don't think this is a fourth in the league in Serie A team, and so I think they're overperforming actually. I, I, I disagree. They have on the bench, they have Reina, starting goalkeeper of Napoli last season. Laxalt, that played really well on Genoa, was linked with a lot of good teams. I agree with Borini, but let's not forget they have Cutrone on the bench, Conti on the bench, Abate, Montolivo. I mean, give these players to Lazio, they would be second in the league, I think. And uh, do you think so? Absolutely. I think Lazio is a better, a better formation than Milan. I think they have a better, much better midfield. I would say Parolo over any midfield of Milan any day. I mean, maybe not Paqueta, but much more than Kessie and Bakayoko. But, but it's not only Parolo. It's Montolivo is not playing, you know. I, I, I agree Montolivo is not a huge player, but, you know, we are talking about a, a player that have played for the national team for years. Biglia was the captain of Lazio. He's not playing. Laxalt was linked to Lazio, but Milan offered more and got them. Cutrone, I mean, last year everybody was talking so high about Cutrone, he has to go to the national team, etc. And he's hardly playing now. Reina was the starter of Napoli again. So I, I think, I agree, Milan spent badly a lot of money, but they spent a lot of money. Lazio's playing with, uh, with Patrick, central defender, because they don't have any more options. You know, uh, the, the bench is really important. The, the, the numbers of players who have available, it's very important if you want to fight for the Champions League because you're going to have suspension, you're going to have injury. And Gattuso have a lot of options and he's using them badly, really badly in my point of view. Interesting stuff. It's a good debate, this one. Uh, I think what we'll do is, I think we'll put a Twitter poll up this week asking whether people think Milan are... Uh, 
obliged to play better football. Um, I agree with... Um, I don't know who I agree with, to be honest. I mean, you guys are the experts. That's why That's why I've got you here. Uh, but yeah, it's a really interesting debate. And, and just before we move on from Milan, David, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on that, being, being a Milan supporter yourself. Uh, on what, on the team in general or? Yeah, on, on the whole debate. I mean, is the top four uh, achievable? Well, we know it's achievable. Do you think Milan will hold on in that position? Uh, I've, from... Months ago, I thought Roma would get there, and I will stick with that. I think Roma will will sneak past. I think they've got a better team. That's purely why. I think their their players, their first eleven, is much better. Um, oh, really? the, the only the only um, uh, variable there is how far they go in the Champions League, and whether that detracts them or um, derails them a little bit. But I think they've got more than enough to to get fourth. Um, yeah, I think Roma will get it, personally. Okay, interesting. And then that brings me nicely on to Roma's 2-1 victory over Bologna. Um, and, and there's been lots of praise heaped on the goalkeeper, Robin Olsen, for his heroics. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't see this game. I don't know if any of you guys did. Uh, but it's a massive win for Roma, isn't it, in the hunt for Champions League football? Uh, Tommy... How important was that? You know, they're right on the heels of, of everybody now. And do you agree with David that they'll sneak in there? Um, well, it was definitely a, a very important win for them. Yeah, I didn't watch the game as well as I was uh, traveling to, to New York. Uh, but I did watch the, the highlights and I, and I read an article about it earlier today. Yeah, it's very important, very important win. I mean, you would say quite an easy one because Bologna is not very well and they're playing home. But you, you got to give some credit to Francesco, which is a player, uh, a manager that myself didn't really have nice words about him a few months ago. I didn't think he was the right man on the job, but he's going to be better now. He's been, uh, if you look at the, the, the recent results, they haven't lost you know, in five, six games. Uh, I, I still don't think they're going to make it to top four. I think, in my opinion, Neil Mann will still be there, but it would definitely be a very tough um, battle until the, until the last few games. Uh, yes, just like I 100% agree with what David said, the Champions League is a it's a massive thing for Roma. Let's see how far they're going to go. It looks like they're in a better position against Porto. They might go through. Uh, if they get a lucky draw, they might go through again. And that could be definitely a game changer for them. Absolutely. Vittorio, they're now three points ahead of, of your beloved Lazio. Um, but what's your take on Roma? I know they had a, a, a poor start to the season, didn't they? But they seem to have found their feet again a little bit of late. Um, are they equipped to, to go on and, and nick that full spot in your view? They are equipped. And what I always said this season is that it's not possible that Roma continue to play that bad as they did at the start of the season. They will improve, they will get better, and it's what's happening. To be honest, they have been very lucky against Bologna, and I didn't expect that because uh, we saw Bologna playing very badly, especially uh, in, the, in the other matches. But since Mialovic got the job, Bologna is another team. It's a fighting team. They have so many chances, and as you were saying, Olsen was man of the match because uh, he he allowed Roma to be in the match after Bologna having missing so many chances. But a little bit like like with Milan, you know, when you have a very good striker, you know that you can change the match in every second, even when you're playing poorly. And that's what happened. They got a penalty, they went ahead, scored another one, and, and they won a match that was really, really important. Now, I'm not sure 
that it's all credit to Di Francesco. I think Roma has such a very good players that they are not performing as they sh- should, but they're still good enough to allow Roma to win this match. So I think I think it's going to be a fight between Roma and Milan, unfortunately. And maybe the more experienced Roma player has of fighting for the Champions League could make a difference. Uh, both of them are not playing really great football, to be honest. Atalanta is playing much better, but I think they're better equipped for this fight. Okay, absolutely interesting stuff there. Um, the next game I want to talk about is the Spal game with Fiorentina. And the reason I want to talk about this one, there was a really, really controversial VAR decision. And, um, you know, being based here in the UK, VAR is a big talking point, isn't it? Uh, it, We we know that it's going to come into the Premier League next season. People have their reservations about it. We've seen it in some of the cup competitions here. It's not worked brilliantly well so far. Um, David... This was a really strange situation, wasn't it? That Spal went, uh, Fiorentina, sorry, went down one end. Uh, there was a foul in the penalty area. It was waved away initially. Spal went up the other end and scored, only to have it chalked off. And then Fiorentina actually took the 2-1 lead instead. Um, how has VAR worked for you overall in Syria? Has it been a success, would you say? And was this a prime example of maybe one of the drawbacks of it? Um, well, I'm a fan of VAR, so... Um, I am too, I by the way. I don't think it's worked as well this season in Serie A as it did last season. Uh, I don't know if they've changed something, but there's just been way more uh, instances where you're questioning, well, what, what, how have they come to this decision, or why is VAR not checking this? Or um, So I don't think it's worked as well this season in Serie A than it, as it did last season, or even as well as it did at the World Cup. I know it's different people running it, but... Um, I think this instance is actually a, a really good example of why VAR is, is so good because I think it was a penalty I think Chaser was, was a clear penalty on him um, okay now it's unfortunate it took them so long to reach that decision that Spal ended up going down the other end and scoring but I'd rather have the situation where a, an inc- how can I word this correctly Spal have scored because the decision wasn't given at the other end you know, if that decision is yeah, given yeah. in real time, Spal don't get the opportunity to go down and score the goal. Play is stopped and Fiorentina get ready to take a penalty. Um, so I've got no problems with them having losing a goal and then Fiorentina getting their penalty that they should have had two minutes ago. Um, what the problem is, is that it took so long. It shouldn't have taken as long as it did. I think it took them, how, what was the time between Spal? I think it was like 30 seconds, something like that. Um Ideally, you'd like it to be a bit quicker, but this is the problem. And everyone, when VAR was introduced, was saying, well, what if this happens? And this was probably one of the scenarios that people were were talking about. What if there's a penalty scored and then the other team goes down the other end and scores a goal? Um, But unfortunately, this is... I say unfortunately. I think, fortunately, this is what what it's there for. It's to stop um, goals being incorrectly given or goals being scored from situations that shouldn't have arisen because a penalty should have been given or you know we can go through a myriad of situations but basically I'm I'm in favor of it and I agreed with this situation yeah I mean I think I think we can all agree that it was a penalty I'm someone who's been an advocate of VAR right from when the, the sort of first concept was introduced and they were just talking about it but I have to say that in the last few months um, I've seen some instances that have made me question whether we're going to use it in the right way and what I mean by that is I still see clear and obvious decisions 
going amiss because of it, because they've not been referred to the VAR or the VAR hasn't intervened, then it's where do you join draw that line, sorry, of what's clear and obvious? I think if you look at the FA Cup game, and I know we're talking about Italian football here, but if you look at the game between uh, Chelsea and Manchester United last night, I thought that Chelsea should have had a penalty. I thought that Rudiger was... Uh, you sort of pulled all over the place in the box and it, there was VAR there so why wasn't it pulled up I mean Vittorio what are your thoughts on, on VAR and how it's worked in Serie A so I, I totally agree that the decision uh, in the Spal Fiorentina match was correct it was amazing to see the reaction on Twitter people simply went nuts against the referee blaming everything etc but it was the right decision the problem as you were saying is that VAR is has been used poorly in, in Italian football. And for me, and I'm saying this since last year, the solution is so easy. But I already read Colina when he was in charge of UEFA said, we cannot do like that. And so I'm, I'm a little bit uh, concerned. We should use the same way the NFL is doing it. The manager, each manager has two challenge. They, they throw the red flag and say, I want to challenge this. It's not the ref that has to say to the ref on, at the VAR, did I take the right decision? No, it's the manager. The manager says, for me, this is a penalty. Can we check it? If it's right, he takes a penalty. If it's wrong, he, he loses one challenge and has only one. Because if I'm a ref and I see a penalty, well, why should I think maybe I was wrong? Let's check. Or the other problem is that the referee at the VAR sometimes feels Maybe it's wrong, but should I bother him saying, you know, maybe you, you made the wrong decision? So, and, and the other thing is now uh, VAR, at least in Italy, it, it's not called when it's a problem valuation. It could be a foul, but maybe it's not that bad, etc. And so you don't call it. So that's a mistake. The VAR is to avoid mistakes. So if it's a mistake, you have to use the VAR. The problem is ref don't call it because they, most of the time they're certain about the decision. So you have to give the managers of each team the chance to challenge the call and say, for me, this is a um, penalty. For me, this is offside, et cetera, et cetera. Even because it, it happened that in some, they, they have to review all the goals, right? But sometimes yep. they forget to check. They check the offside, but maybe they don't check uh, that the other player was pushing another one. And so the goal should be disallowed, but they didn't check that thing. They checked the offside only. So that's, I think the easy solution is that give the manager the option to, to challenge and you solve every problem. Okay. Tommy, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? What's your take on it? Um, I'm a bit unsure about it. It sounds like a good idea, but if you give two chances for a manager, what if there's two opportunities and then in the last 15 minutes is it clearly a penalty and you ran out of your chances for the VAR so they can't review that penalty and so I don't think it, I don't think it's the right decision to, to give a limit on the times that the ref can look at VAR according to what the manager said but if you but don't limit it it will happen every two minutes yeah, exactly exactly yeah I was going to say if you don't limit it so I don't think it should be up to the manager or the captain like other people say on Twitter I think it should be up to the referee. I think it should be exactly as it is. The only problem is that they should just improve and maybe you should put more people on it. I don't know. They should improve their video quality. I don't know what the problem is. I'm a big fan of VAR as well. And I agree with what David said. 
that in this season there's been more mistakes, way more mistakes than last season. I mean, one ex- clear example that comes to my mind was Juventus against Sampdoria. There was two, not even one, two incredible decisions made from the referee after checking the VRI. That completely baffled me. So I'm not sure what the problem is. I think no one knows, but I, I don't know, maybe maybe more people, maybe better video quality, but I think this is the right forward. And I think this season, even if this season has been worse than the last season, this season is still better than two seasons ago, three seasons ago when VR didn't exist. So I think maybe practice, you know, would make perfect. Maybe in five years, ten years, there would be better technolo- technologies, more experience. Uh, a referee would be doing VAR from ten years rather than one year. So maybe we should just give it time, and it will, will be just improved. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something that needs yeah, time to be embedded correctly, isn't it? It's not something that, that was going to come in and instantly we were going to use it uh, to its maximum potential. I think I know that it's the second season now, I think, in Serie A, but it's still early days, isn't it? And, and fingers crossed, you know, they can get to grips with it and, and get a little bit more competent in using it. And hopefully we'll see better results. So um, fingers crossed, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, the last thing that we're going to discuss on, on this week's show, uh, and we're going to do a little bit of a preview here. We're going to look ahead to uh, Juventus, this is a European clash with uh, Atletico Madrid. They go to the Wanda Metropolitano to take on Diego Simeone's side. I want to get a quick prediction from you guys and how you think this one's going to pan out. I want to know whether you guys think that this could be Juve's year, given that Cristiano Ronaldo has now uh, made his way over to Turin. Starting with yourself, David, uh, any thoughts ahead of this one? Um... Do I think it'll be Juve's year? Uh, no, I think they're a bit short in midfield. Um, I think they, lick, they lack a little bit of dynamism, a bit of pace and energy in, in midfield. And I think um, a fast team, a fast mobile team can, um, can, can, can undo them a little bit. Um, I think they're a bit slow and plodding. And I don't think Emery Chan really has, has helped that a great deal. I think he's, he's a decent player, but I don't think he's much better than what they have. So... Um, I, I, I back them to get a result tomorrow um, against Atletico purely because away from home in knockout football under Allegri they've been absolutely incredible I mean they've they've only lost one game one game away from home in, in the knockouts um, under Allegri and, and that was Bayern and they needed an extra half an hour to do it so away from, they, they know how to get results away from home and I, I back them tomorrow to, to get one and I'd, I'd expect them to go through uh, but as for winning it no I think uh They'll come up against a team with more pace um, and pace combined with quality and not just pace. Pace on its own isn't enough. Um, and I think they'll they'll get, get knocked out. I'd love to see them do it because I'd love to see um, Allegri win the Champions League. But, yeah, unfortunately, no. Okay, Vittorio? I think if they are one of the favourite, maybe not the favourite, but, I mean, with Cristiano Ronaldo... Uh, they, they 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 are a very interesting team. Um, so tomorrow is not going to be that easy. Honestly, Simeone is very a very good manager. Uh, Atletico Madrid is it's a team very tough to beat. So it's going to be a, a very interesting challenge. Maybe tomorrow we're going to see better if Juventus it's the team to beat for the Champions League. It's funny because a lot of other managers said that Juventus is the favorite team for the Champions League. But, you know, 
there is Barcelona, there is Manchester City. There are other very good teams that can achieve the uh, that trophy. So it's a little bit even of luck. So you never know. But they're one of the favorites for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Tommy. Uh, I actually think I think that Juve can make it. I think this could be their year, and not necessarily because of them, because I agree with David when he said that they would be short in midfield. Uh, we had the discussion on last episode about Kedira and Emerson and as a third midfielder. But I think more looking at the other things, I think the Champions League is not is slightly less competitive than it's been in the last few years. Because if you see the Real Madrid. I really don't think they're going to win it. They won it three times in a row. They, you know, they don't have Ronaldo. They didn't replace it. They have Solari. I mean, all these problems that we all know that, you know, no one has to stay here to talk about. Barcelona is obviously a great team. They've got the best player in history, in my opinion. Uh, but they, as well, they, they don't really look like perfect like they have in the past years. They lose silly games. They concede some stupid goals sometimes. Uh, Man City, I don't think they're, you know, they're mature enough in Europe. Uh, Liverpool, I think they're going to concentrate a lot in the, in the league and then, then probably not even going to care. I mean, I'm not going to say you and list every single team, but I think this is one of those years that no one except Juve is really, has really an advantage against another. So I think this is a perfect opportunity. And I mean, as everyone said, having Ronaldo by your side helps dramatically because he's an incredible player and also he has such an impact on the field well with the defenders when you play against Ronaldo it's just different you know yeah, absolutely. And and obviously, uh, Dybala, Paolo Dybala broke his goal drought at the weekend as well. And Allegri has spoken about the fact that he he will be playing. Uh, so that's interesting as well. You guys have all mentioned the midfield, um, which is something that a lot of people uh, sort of look at Juventus and, and point out as something of a criticism. It's come up on breaking news actually about five, six minutes ago that Sami Kadira has not traveled to Spain with Juventus because uh, some tests have discovered an irregular heartbeat. So we wish Sami Kadira all the best, uh, but that leaves them even shorter, doesn't it? In, in those sort of positions. Um, guys, it's no loss actually, by the way, I don't think that's much of a loss. No, I think they'll be better. I think they'll be better without him. I think really? it just means, wow. I think it means you don't have to pick him. I think it's a good he's thing. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's just slow and past his best. I mean, he obviously had a bad injury a couple of years ago or three years ago, whenever it was. But um, I think he's. Uh, I think they'll be better. I don't mm-hmm. know who the other. I think Pjanic is. Pjanic was rested for most of the weekend, so he'll play. I guess Matuidi. I don't know whether the other one will be Bentancur or Emery Chan, but I think they'll be. They'll be better. It, it looks Bentancur should be playing. I mean, I like him. Yeah. He's still he's still very young, quite hit and miss. He's a typical young player. They'll be up and down until 25, 26 years old. But um, I just think he's a more mobile player, and I think they'll need that tomorrow. Okay, interesting stuff. And lastly, guys, we've got a couple of listener questions, which I'm going to put to you guys. Uh, the first one I'm going to put to our guest this week, David, uh, because it is uh, Milan-related. This one comes from Adam Simmons on Twitter. He asks... How is it that Milan keep affording to buy players uh, even when they have FFP troubles? Uh, can you shed any light on that? Um, well, I mean, the payments will be delayed. They still haven't heard a settlement from UEFA yet. Although they, UEFA have um, given them a set, not a settlement, but they've provisionally going to ban them from Europe, which you, Milan are going to challenge, I think. Um, how they keep affording it, they... 
That's a good question. I genuinely have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they can keep paying. To be fair, they're not paying top fees. They were, I mean, 40 million is, is quite a big signing for them. Um, you know, they're operating in the second tier transfer market. Um, it's not like they're going out and paying 70 million for a player, which is where all the best ones are. Yeah. I think um, Vittorio, I think, mentioned it earlier. They, they had to take a gamble on Piontek because if you wait and let him go into the second season, he then becomes worth 60 million, 70 million, and they can't afford him. Yeah. Um, but how they're doing it and how they're going to get it past UEFA, I don't know. Other, other clubs manage to do it quite easily. Maybe they've got something up their sleeve. Yeah. Good accountants, maybe. Good accountants. <laughs> that's, that's all it takes these days, I suppose. Uh, right, this next listener question uh, comes from Nathan on Twitter. Um, I'm going to put this one to you, Vittorio. He says, are Milan the favourites for the Coppa Italia or do you tip Atlanta to, uh, to nick it? What about Lazio? <laughs> I'm just reading the question, Vittorio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well... Uh, I think I said it last week, but I think Milan-Lazio is probably the final of the Coppa Italia. Who's going to win that that match? It's going to be the favorite for, for the final, I think. And it makes sense. You know, as we were saying, we don't know Atalanta, uh, how they will arrive to the final of the Coppa Italia final. Same thing, Fiorentina. It's a very interesting team, but a lot of up and down. So you never know how they're going to play next match. So I believe Milan Lazio is going to be uh, deciding who's going to be the favorite. And Milan is going to play the last match at home. So they're a little bit favorite in, in that leg as well. So and, and to be honest, looking at the last match, uh, the last month, sorry, Milan is playing better than Lazio. Lazio is struggling with a lot of injured plays, players, etc. While Milan, you know, with Piatek, it, it surely and uh, Paqueta surely have improved so yeah I think you can consider Milan the favorite for the Coppa Italia at the moment okay interesting stuff and the final question uh this one comes in from uh let me I'm just trying to read this Twitter name uh, it's a series of numbers and then it's VHD and he asks um as of now, which of the Milan clubs have a brighter future? That question's been asked a couple of times as well uh, from listeners this week. So I'm, I'm going to put that to you, Tommy. Uh, you know, we've spoken about Milan in quite detail tonight. We've spoken about Inter 2. In your eyes, which of those clubs has a brighter future at the moment? I think it's a very tough question to make because finally... Get um, off the like, fence, also, Tommy. <laughs> I know, I, I will, I'll give you an answer. I'm just going <laughs> just gonna to come, 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 come with it. I'm uh, just, just going to say that, yeah, as I said before, last year in Milan had the Chinese property and that was always a disaster. I feel like it looks like they finally found the stability now with the Americans. Uh, so they both have uh, good owners. They want to invest money and make money and they went, they make the team wins. I think they're in a quite similar level uh, as they're playing now. Inter is a better team. But I think in the long term, uh, the difference will be Marotta because I think his winner is incredible good at what he does. He, done, he did something incredible with Juve. He picked up this team that came from Serie B and look where they are now. And I think it's a lot because of him. So I think in the long term, Inter will have more success in Milan. Uh, because of my okay interesting stuff interesting stuff and that brings us to the end of another episode of simply seria my thank yous go out to the panel to vittorio to tommy and of course our guest david uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us 
you want to let our listeners know what you're up to and how they can follow you? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I've, I float around Twitter. Um, they can follow me on Twitter at David L Swan. Um, that's probably the best place to catch my hot takes on football. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Vittorio, your Twitter handle, sir. And tell our listeners where they can find the Lazio lounge podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are on iTunes and Spreaker, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Lazio underscore Lounge, especially after Sevilla-Lazio match. We're going to have a podcast discussing about everything. Brilliant. I might even tune in myself. Uh, Tommy, your Twitter handle? Uh, you can find me at Tommy Nancymin on Twitter for all things Serie A, but football in general. Brilliant. Good stuff. Make sure you do head over and follow those guys. Don't forget you can follow the show on Twitter at Simply Seria. We've only been going for three weeks and we've got nearly 700 uh, followers on Twitter. That's fantastic. I'm really blown away uh, by the response to the show so far. So thank you to every single one of you. Um, we are available on iTunes. We're available on SoundCloud and Spotify too. But if you like YouTube, because there are people that were asking me whether this show is on YouTube we do upload it to YouTube, uh, so you can find us over there at Simply Serie A, but uh, it is just audio, so you might be better off just listening on an audio platform. But of course, I'll leave that up to you. Don't forget to leave us a review too. That really helps us climb up the rankings, and we haven't got many of those given we're, we're just starting out. So if you wouldn't mind, please do head over to iTunes, hit the review button, uh, leave us five stars, of course, and if you want to leave a comment, uh, feel free to do so. We'll be back same time next week with another show. Uh, so until then, ciao. Is that right? Or should I say something else? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.